Well, praise the Lord and good day to you and welcome to Cross Time with Pastor Curtis. Having a few issues here this morning, I was ready to go and it was all the stuff was set up and, and ready to go just like normal. But guess what? This technology is just like us. It has a mind of its own. So some mornings, I guess it hadn't had its technology, its techie coffee or whatever, I don't know. But I was ready, it wasn't, but now we're both working together. Hope it works good, and we're here for you today. And uh, we gathered around God's Word here in 1 Peter chapter 1, and, and we're just excited about what God is saying to those who have ears to hear in these last days, uh, those who are learning uh, to walk in the truth, those who are learning to uh, look to that where the Holy Spirit turns them over to always, 2 Corinthians 4.11. The Holy Spirit always turns his people over to the death of Christ so that they can experience the life that flows out of that death. There are many who, who have been born again who don't want to hear that. They don't really like that. The, the, the cross stuff, uh, well, you know what? The, the reality is, my friends, that we are now learning this remnant in these last few moments at the end of this church age. We are learning to recognize those who've just made a career out of ministry, those who just have a gift to talk, and those who are actually walking with that commitment that God has given them of the words of reconciliation. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. We're learning to recognize uh, that which is light, that which is dark, that which is truth, that which is a lie. We're learning to recognize uh, what the Bible is really all about. And Jesus said it was him. Hallelujah. And uh, we'll see some great things today in the word of God in 1 Peter chapter 1. Uh, but I do want to say how, again how still amazed I am at everything that God said and did at this year's determined camp meeting. If you if you miss that, if you if you miss the days where you could go to a camp meeting and everybody was excited about the message of the cross, the power of God, and that's where our minds were becoming one at. That's where we were learning to speak the same thing at. If you miss gathering the, at conferences and the camp meetings where the focus is Jesus and his cross, Jesus and what he did there on Calvary. If, if you miss that, listen, don't ever miss another determined camp meeting for the excitement, the joy, the great revelation of God's word flows only out of the preaching of the cross. And I'm thankful to know that here in my latter years. I'm thankful to be a part of a great fellowship that's spreading like wildfire across the world today. Those who are learning the word of God in its righteous context. So excited about that. And pastors Clint and Lindsey Bass were uh, the greatest host of camp meeting 
that you could really ever ask for, just the praise and the worship. And, and uh, I was really excited this year that almost 30 of our people were able to get away and go to uh, the camp meeting and people from all over New Jersey, Connecticut, Ohio, Mississippi, Arkansas, Louisiana, Texas, uh, Oklahoma, uh, uh, other other states, I can't. I'd have to look at the list that I have written down. But we were so encouraged, and and let me advertise this morning also that this summer, if the Lord tarries, I'm really not looking for Him to tarry until this summer. But if He does, we're planning another determined youth camp. And let me tell you, listen, it is just as powerful. It is equivalent. It is just as powerful as the determined camp meetings. And the reason being is because the focus is the cross of Christ, the power of God, that avenue, that law through which the Holy Spirit works. Hallelujah. Not just a bunch of gifted talkers, but the called of God, carrying that word they've had committed unto them, that word of reconciliation. Hallelujah. Oh, determined to know nothing other than Christ and him crucified. Oh, so many have said so many negative things about that. But believe me, my friend, when you begin to look at nothing other than Jesus and what he provided at Calvary and your participation in that by faith, then you will begin to realize this, uh, that which is concerning the double cure. Most know nothing of the double cure. They'll sing of the double cure, but they know nothing of the second part of the double cure. The first part being pardon, the second part being power to overcome where sin no longer dominates you. Not sinless perfection, but power to live. Power to live a godly and a holy life. Power to be becoming the children of God. John 1 and 12. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Pastor Andrew Hutchinson, my son, will be here this Sunday morning ministering the Word of God. And I believe that him and I are going to be doing a podcast uh, Saturday evening. So I'll look for that post by him. He may have already said something about it. I just hadn't seen it, but we're scheduled to air this Saturday evening, I think. Uh, I don't know if it'll be a Scarlet Thread podcast or if it'll just be him and I uh, together, whatever he wants to do, but we're going to have a broadcast this Saturday evening. You'll be watch our Facebook pages. You'll see more about that. One last thing, all the services, all the teaching sessions are being uploaded on the uh, Christ Community Facebook page and the Christ Community uh, YouTube channel. So avail yourself to that. It's the Christ Community Church uh, YouTube channel there in Palestine, Texas, so uh, Pastor Clint is working hard, doing a wonderful, wonderful job uploading the services, the teaching sessions, all that took place at Determined Cat Meeting this year, and you can find them there. You can also find them on our YouTube channel, Curtis Hutchinson 316, all the camp meeting uh, sessions all the way back through 2017. So that's six years of of determined camp meetings that are on the website. Just look 
on the YouTube channel, rather, uh, the Curtis Hutchinson 316, and, and look on the playlist, and it'll be under Determined uh, Camp Meeting 2017, Determined Camp Meeting, on and on, till you reach 2022. So go there, watch, avail yourself. You will be blessed in a tremendous way. Uh, 1 Peter uh, chapter 1, let's start in verse 22 today and, and try to roll through the, the rest of this chapter. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22, seeing you have purified your souls in a place. A place. The purification of a soul is only in a certain location. Watch. Seeing you have purified your souls in obeying the truth. And we're going to stop and teach through this today because it's very important. We don't purify our souls by what we do in actions and call that obeying the truth. Although that is a part of Christianity, but that is not the part that we did anything in our carrying out actions on our part of obedience that purified our souls. We became obedient the first moment we ever believed the gospel. That's why the apostle Paul wrote in Romans chapter 6, verses 17 and 18, that when we obeyed that form of doctrine, we were free from sin, we were made free from sin and became servants of righteousness immediately. Immediately before we ever took one step, before we committed one act, before we bought a Bible, before we went to church, before we gave offerings, before we were water baptized, we were obedient already. We began our walk with the Lord as obedient children of God, freed from sin's guilt and shame. We were pardoned and we were given power to live a godly and a holy life. Do we do it right all the time? No, more times not. But it, the opportunity, the potential is there if we learn the way of Calvary. If we learn how to keep looking unto Jesus and what that means, seeing Jesus and what that means. Uh, if we understand that the Holy Spirit, as I've already said, turns us over to death, always the death of Jesus, that we might experience and express the life of Christ. So we became obedient not when we did something, but when we believed something. And people who disagree with that don't know their Bibles. The Bible says our believing, trusting in, depending on Jesus Christ and his death, the shedding of his blood, his suffering on Calvary's cross for the forgiveness of our sins, when we believed with the heart under righteousness, God said you've obeyed that form of doctrine and that form of doctrine has freed you from sin. Believing in the cross has given you and I, there's where we've obtained the only obedience God sees 
which is true obedience, and that's the obedience of his son who loved us and gave himself there for us. That's why it's important to understand the word of God in every jot and tittle through the cross. This is why the Bible says that we are to capture every thought, bring every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. That means to the place that he was fully obedient, fully, meaning he became humble and obedient unto death, even the death of the cross, meaning Jesus had to remain obedient all the way through his sufferings and to the point of dying. Then God stamped obedient in that he had always been obedient without flaw. He had never been disobedient one time, but he had to live a complete life of obedience. For had he not, we know the Bible tells us you break the law once, you're a lawbreaker. You sin once, you're a sinner. Jesus had to live his entire life without sin and die without sin. And there, at the cross, God stamped obedient on him because it was a perfect obedience. You see, in God's eyes, that's all, that, that's the only kind of obedience there is to God, a perfect obedience. And we might say, well, we're not, we're not obedient all the time. No, we're not obedient all the time in the things that we do. We disobey the word of God all the time. Even us who know what it says and even us who know that we have to maintain our faith in the sacrifice to see the spirit of God carrying out the word of God and the will of God through our life. Even us, even we get hard-headed at times and just flat out refuse and resist the Holy Spirit's working in us. That's right, even us, who, who we're not ignorant of the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus. We're not ignorant now of many things, but we act as though we are. That's why the New Testament tells us not to walk as fools, but as wise, redeeming the times. Why, why do we need to be told that? Because even us who know the truth and the way of Calvary for every answer, God, for all the power, grace, everything we're looking for, even us who know that, we still choose not to trust in that. You know it's true. You know it's true. But back to the point here, there is no obedience in God's eyes among men if it is not the obedience of Christ. Because it is the only place the soul can be purified. It is the only place the soul can be restored. He leads us as our good shepherd, Psalms 23 and 3, he, he restores our souls as he leads us in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Because it's his name that's on the line. It's his name that, that carries the power. It, it's his name that has brought us obedience. You say, uh, well, the Bible says that we're justified in his name. 
His name is Jesus. Jesus means Savior. He saved us at Calvary. Hallelujah. There, let me say this again this, because this is very important. There is absolutely no vision of God. He sees obedience nowhere if it's not the obedience of Christ in the heart of man. And that only exists, my friend, not just in a position in that you've become obedient, but he doesn't see any acts of obedience unless he finds faith every moment. Yeah, yeah. Every moment in the death of his son. For only out of the death of Christ comes all the expressions of who he is to us. We've been saying for a couple of years now that out of death only comes the life of Christ, and that's true, very true. But that life of Christ that only emanates out of his death and our, through our faith touching that death, the life of Christ carries with it the gamut of everything else. The life of Christ is where we find Every, everything we're looking for. Everything. I don't care what it is you're looking for from the Lord. The Bible says all the promises of God are in Christ Jesus. Yes and absolutely. Amen. And all, only through the promises can the blessings come. So that means all the promises and all the blessings that come with all the promises are only found in Christ Jesus. They are absolutely there, guaranteed for your experience, but you have to walk in Christ Jesus to experience what is on offer. You became obedient the moment you believed. You, let me say it again. You became obedient the moment you believed because God offered you, gave you, you and I obtained the obedience of Jesus Christ. There is no humility other than Christ that God sees and honors with grace. There is no obedience other than Christ's obedience that God sees as obedience and honors with all the fruit of being obedient. This is where we've missed it for 2,000 years for the most part. That we think, well, we'll just get a Bible and we'll go do something and God will honor our doing. It ha that, that's wrong. That's wrong. And, and you say, and, and, here, and here, here's where else we've missed it big time. Well, God does that for them sometimes, but, but, he, but he won't do it for them if they... No, 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 no. You have to get away from that. That, you know, and I know we say, because God can do anything, and God, he can't do just anything. I get tired of hearing that. God can't lie, God can't sin, God can't be a respecter of persons. So as a pastor, first thing I would do Somebody asked me the other day, what would you begin studying? I said, the book, I mean, uh, I'm talking about for, if, if, you, if you've been a Christian, 
and you hadn't really been studying the Word, and are, are you are you looking for a great? St Listen, the first thing, other than the, the Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and the story of Jesus on this earth, and what He came to represent, and what He came to do on Calvary's cross, you need to learn the Book of Romans. And after you learn the Book of Romans, and I ain't talking about reading it; I'm talking about learning it. And you can't learn it. You can't learn the book of Romans unless you're listening to somebody teach it in the context of Jesus Christ's cross. You can't, you can't, you're not going to learn Romans. And I'm talking about chapter 6, 7, and 8. You're not going to learn Romans if you're listening to somebody teach the book of Romans outside of the very context of it being the shed blood, the suffering of Jesus Christ. You're not going to do it. But after that, you need, you need to read, study, and grasp a hold of the book of Galatians because the book of Galatians shows us that if you move the object of your faith from being the death of Jesus, you fall from grace. Doesn't matter if it's 10 minutes, 10 years. You've fallen from grace and Christ cannot profit you, cannot affect you. And to say that, well, <laughs> well, you know, I, that was for them. But over here, God, no, that would make God a respecter of persons. That's a sin. Peter said, First Peter chapter 1, this chapter, verse 17, God's not a respecter of persons. James wrote that to be a respecter of persons is a sin. You got to understand that. God didn't tell the Galatian church one thing but allow everybody else to get away with it. That would make God a respecter of persons. God has one way. It's Christ, and the way of Christ is his sacrificial work on Calvary's cross. Uh, we, we can't help it. Who, who doesn't like to hear it? We can't help it that all these professional talkers who've made a career out of ministry instead of uh, the church listening to those who've actually been called of God it's easy to get caught up with those who can talk good. They can talk good, and they, they bring all these big words in, boy, and everybody. They're just really entertaining you, and even though they're saying a lot of things that are right, and they're even quoting Scripture, and sometimes they're not saying anything that's wrong scripturally, they're just not tying it to Jesus Christ and Him crucified, therefore that makes it wrong. I hope you get that. That makes their presentation wrong. Doesn't mean the word of God is wrong. It can't be wrong. But if it's not being presented in the light of the righteousness of God, which is Jesus and what he did at Calvary, it's not going to be understood. Now, now hold it just a minute for all those of you who say, well, you got to give the Holy Spirit, uh, you, you know, you, you got to let the Holy Spirit teach people that. I understand that. We receive nothing without it being given us by the Holy Spirit. But, but the, really the thought behind that statement is really, you know, you don't have to teach the word in the light of the cross. I mean, the Holy Spirit is just going to do that. If that's the case, why did the Holy Spirit need to give Paul all the writings that he gave him? If that's the case, why does the Lord choose to raise up ministers, call ministers, and set them in places to preach the why? You know, see, I, I see the thought behind that. You just got, you know, you just got to let the Holy Spirit do it. Now we do have to let the Holy Spirit do what He does, but He only does what He does through the law that He's bound to to work in. This is God, the Holy Spirit. They say you you can't put God in a box. You're absolutely right. 
but he's confined himself to a law and he won't deviate from it. It's the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. And only there does he function and operate. So when we move our, the object of our faith away from the cross to something else, we're no longer walking in Christ where the promises and the blessings are. No matter how hard we declare and, and, and declare this over each other and declare the promise, that, it's not working because it's not the Holy Spirit. So back to our text today, seeing, but you got to see it. You got to see it. You got to see it. Seeing, because if you don't see it, you can't walk in it. That's another misconception. We can walk in things we're not seeing. No, you can't. No, you can't. You, you, you couldn't walk in Christ till you recognized he's the Savior. Holy Spirit immersed you into his death. You were positioned in Christ then. Your eyes were open then. You could walk in him. You couldn't walk in Christ before you were placed in Christ. And as long as you keep your faith in Christ, meaning faith in what it was in that allowed you to be immersed into Christ, then you can walk even more in Christ. And the Holy Spirit can guide you into more truth. Hallelujah. But you got to see. You can't walk in what you don't see. You can't walk in what you don't see. And a lot of times... And I know I speak personally for myself. We think we're walking in the truth, walking in the light, and it really be darkness. I've been there. I was there for years and years. 90% or higher of the church is there at this very moment. Just because we use God's word, if we use it out of its context, it's not light. What's the context of God's word? Watch this beautiful. Watch this so beautiful layout of scripture. What is the context of God's word? Righteousness. All of God's words are in righteousness, Proverbs 8 and 8. They have to be in righteousness because all his words are a lamp to our feet and a light to our path, Psalms 119, 105. What is the path? The path of the just, the path of the righteous. And the path of the righteous, Proverbs 4, 18 is shining, shining, that's light, more and more until that perfect day. Now, now, God's words must be in their righteous context to be the light to us. For God's word to be the light to us, they need to be. Do you understand that? Jesus is our righteousness. His cross the work he did in death there, his suffering and death, the shedding of his blood, is the work of righteousness. It's righteousness is, is, is the light. I, if you would write this down, it's so special and becoming more and more special to me. Psalms 37, verse 6, he has made our righteousness our light. All his words are in righteousness. God's word is a lamp to our feet, light to our path. They, because his words are in righteousness where the light is, this will help you. It's helping, it's helping many people. Many people, the, these righteously dividing God's word, righteously dividing God's word, no matter where you slice it, if you're seeing 
you know, uh, Micah, listen to this, that Brother Dewey can answer, and I've been discussing this kind of behind the scenes uh, a little, seeing the beauty of God's righteousness in Christ Jesus through the work he did at Calvary. Micah chapter 7 verse 9, the prophet there in that one verse talking about when God comes to save him from his sins, he says, when you, when you lead me to the light, I shall behold your righteousness. <laughs> How beautiful is that? Hallelujah. This is, this is why God says, when you hunger and thirst, for my righteousness, I will fill you. When you learn to love my righteousness, I will pour my oil of gladness upon you. When you seek my righteousness before all things, I will add to your life all things you need to carry out my will. I'm just quoting scripture to you this morning. Oh my goodness, let me say it again today. The righteousness of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the righteousness of God that comes through faith, the faith of Jesus Christ and his work on Calvary's cross, it is the key that unlocks every single mystery in God's word, the righteousness of God. He robed you in it, cloaked you in it when you were born again. He set your feet on the path of righteousness. Hallelujah. He declared you righteous, righteous in Christ Jesus. Uh, oh, hallelujah. Oh, yes. righteousness becomes more and more beautiful each and every day. You might say, well, what is God's righteousness? It's the perfect will of God being carried out through the perfect righteous one, his son, our king, the Lord Jesus Christ, by his spirit in our lives. Righteousness is that which is right in God's eyes. Do you remember when the apostle Paul had to rebuke Peter in Antioch? You can find this in Galatians chapter 2. And Paul says this profound thing. He says, when I saw, now we're talking about seeing. You have to see. You have to see. Paul, now this is in Galatians chapter 2. And Paul said, when I saw that they walked not upright according to the truth of the gospel, I had to bring correction to them. Basically what Paul said, what he did, again, you can read that in Galatians chapter 2. It's a very important and revealing statement that if we're not walking up, if we're not walking according to the truth of the gospel, we're not walking uprightly before the Lord, which means we're not walking in Christ Jesus, which means we're not walking in the light. And why? Because we're not seeing properly. Peter was caught not seeing properly. What he saw was the fear of man. Man grip his heart, paralyze him, and move him away from the where the move of God was actually taking place. Where is the move of God taking place? among those who were learning to walk uprightly according to the truth of the gospel. 
Now, I really don't know the answer to this, but about three weeks ago, this question came into my heart. And I don't know the answer, and maybe some of you listening might send me the answer if you know, but I believe I know, but I won't say it because I really don't fully know. But why was Peter even in Antioch? And make sure that your statement is you can send scripture with your answer because otherwise it's just like my thoughts. It means absolutely nothing without scripture. But why was he even in Antioch, Peter? Well, I don't know why Peter was in Antioch. Maybe the, the answer is in the Bible. I'm sure it probably is, even if it escapes me at this point. But there was something going on in Antioch. There were a people there, Jew and Gentile, who were experiencing the liberty and the freedom of that one place you can experience liberty and freedom with the fruit thereof, and that is walking uprightly according to the truth of the gospel. And when something comes along to move us away from that, thank God there is someone God will send to tell us, remind us, not that we've gone empty and need to be refilled with the Holy Spirit again, not to make the focus Pentecost, but if you read in Galatians chapter 2, the avenue through which sight was restored to Peter and Peter could see again and Barnabas could begin to see again because there was a whole boatload of people, hear me today, there was a whole boatload of people following Peter and when Peter went blind, they went blind with him because they were just following Peter. It's, it's happening all around us today. It's happening all around us today. If you're just following a man and you're not walking uprightly according to the truth of the gospel, whatever happens to that man, you're going with him. And God had a man there who was determined to know nothing other than Christ and him crucified. And Paul, being that determined fella, explained to Peter and those who'd been carried off into that boatload of dissimulation, which is hypocrisy, that we're not justified by the works of the law, but through the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what he preached to him, Peter, and those in, in Antioch that day who had all of a sudden fallen from an upright walk according to the truth of the gospel because the fear of man entered their heart uh, and they began to follow man instead of following the way of the cross, the only way that you can be found walking uprightly according to the truth of the gospel. The focus has to be the gospel. And again, Paul didn't remind Peter of Pentecost. All those out there whose, whose focus is Pentecost, they're not walking uprightly according to the truth of the gospel. These big conferences and these big uh, camp meetings and all this in the name of Pentecost. My friend, you're not walking with the vision of the Lord. 
The vision of the Lord comes through faith in the blood. Peter lost his vision. Paul said, when I saw, Peter wasn't seeing. He lost. This is good this morning, hallelujah. We're not being ugly about these people who are out there. They just don't know. They can get up and they can quote scripture and they can do all this. We need to get back to Pentecost. We need to get back to Pentecost. We, we need to get back to Calvary. Hallelujah. The very power of God. The Holy Spirit doesn't turn us over to Pentecost always. He turns us over to death always. 2 Corinthians 4.11. We're not being made conformable unto Pentecost. We're being made conformable unto the death of Jesus. You say, well, I know that, brother, but we need to, we need to uh, stay focused on Pentecost, stay focused on the Holy Ghost. There are churches in our area around here that they don't want to hear anything about the sacrifice of Christ, the cross. They, all they want to hear about is the Holy Ghost. They are not walking in the light with the Lord. They are not walking upright according to the truth of the gospel. And listen, if you're watching me, if you come across this on, online, on YouTube or wherever, <clears throat> you have to agree with Scripture. Anybody who's focused on the Holy Spirit is not walking in the light, not walking upright according to the truth of the gospel. Again, Paul had to tell Peter about justification. What else does that prove? And it hit me like a skyscraper falling on me at camp meeting when Brother Don mentioned Brother Wayne's, and I think Pastor Wayne also mentioned it, that justification and sanctification are tied together in a knot. Now, it does not mean just because you're justified, you're going to be walking out learning to possess your vessel in sanctification and honor. That's obvious. I was saved for years before I knew how to possess my vessel in sanctification and honor. And hear me when I say it, and I'm not being ugly, 90% or higher of the church still don't know it today, right now. Because without the knowledge of how the cross, the death of Jesus, plays an active role, an active role every moment of my life. Without the knowledge of that, I can't learn how to possess my vessel in sanctification and honor. I'll try to do it through the works of the law, what I do instead of simply believing in what he did. So Peter's collapse in Antioch, Peter's fall from grace, Peter's tripping over the cross he had been carrying, Peter's surrender to men, the fear of man, it's what gripped his heart, the Bible tells us. The only answer that could restore him and all those who followed him into that boat of hypocrisy, which is a sin, by the way, was Paul reminding them of justification through the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ. What was restored? What we're talking about in verse 22, seeing. 
sight. Oh, thank God for Peter. He made more mistakes. He made more mistakes. He got more things wrong. He, he, he got rebuked just about more than anybody we know in the Bible, if not more than anybody in the Bible. But Peter kept going. Can you receive a rebuke today? Can you be showed in the word where you've missed it, where you're wrong? Can you be shown that? Can the Holy Spirit convict you and show you where you've really been following men instead of walking uprightly according to the truth of the gospel? I've had to leave churches. I've had to get up and get out and move to be able to move on because you can't move on where you are. If you wake up, Holy Spirit wakes you up and shows you you're not going anywhere, man. Not there. Not where you are there. Peter had to repent that he might see again. Hallelujah. So here Peter writes in verse 22, seeing you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit. Can't do anything without the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that when he saw our hearts believing unto the death called the righteousness of God, he immersed us into it. I love that. The Holy Spirit was preaching the gospel to us when we were lost. He was trying to get us to see it and to believe it. And the moment we did, he took us and he pulled us right into the very place. He baptized us, immersed us into the very place he was trying to get us to see, which was in the death of Jesus. And we were baptized into the death of Jesus. Hallelujah. So that we could be crucified and put away in burial and raised up to newness of life in him and with him and then ascend with him and be seated with him at the right hand of our God. Hallelujah. The Holy Spirit has to be involved in everything. That is how Jesus is involved in our lives. Jesus said you can do no Thing, John 15, 5. You can do nothing, no one thing without me. And he's talking in the context there of John 15 of fruit bearing. And so he goes away, sends his spirit, and we have his spirit, and that's how everything we do, if it's <coughs> fruit bearing, it's got to be the fruit of our relationship to Christ, our fellowship with him in his death. Philippians 3, 10. Philippians 3 and 10. The fruit of righteousness, which means the fruit of God's word, the fruit of righteousness, is always going to be the fruit of our faith in the sacrifice. Watch now. Seeing you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit, and it's unto something. Notice what it's unto here. An unfeigned, that means a sincere love of the brothers. 
This is the only avenue of a sincere love for our brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. If one's faith is not in the cross, I'm talking about not, listen, not some blanket state. Well, of course my faith, I believe in the cross. No, why only while you're walking uprightly according to the truth of the gospel can you sincerely love your brother and sister. Do you think Peter was loving the people there he'd been fellowshipping with by getting up and getting away from them old stinky Gentiles now that, oh, some from the church in Jerusalem were coming. Oh, oh. He, he got up and got away from them chicken leg eating Gentiles. And, 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 and oh, he, he. Wasn't no love in that, my friend. There wasn't no love in that. Wasn't no faith in that either. Not proper faith, because proper faith, biblical faith, the faith of the Son of God, this measure of faith that we've received works by love. Oh, you need to get this now. Faith can't fail because it works by love. I can fail to keep it. But faith, if it's, John wrote to us, it's that by which we overcome the world means faith can't fail. When the Bible talks about Jesus praying that your faith fail not, he's talking about you failing to keep it because faith can't fail. How do I know? It works by love. Galatians 5 and 6. Write it down. Look at it. Don't just say, well, I don't. Write it down and look at it. Faith Works by love. 1 Corinthians 13, 8, love never fails. What fuels faith is the reason faith can't fail. The faith we live by is the faith of the Son of God who loved us and gave himself for us at Calvary's cross. Hallelujah. That's the faith we live by. So, watch now. All this love stuff going on in the church today. You better know, you better be loving your brother and sister, but you're either working hard to do it, and if that's the case, you just, you're only going to love a select few. You're going to find yourself experiencing really what it means to be a respecter of persons. You're going to be working hard to love, trying to love. We got to love. We got to love. We got to love. It's all about love. I've seen, I've seen people pulled away from the focus of being determined to know nothing other than Christ and Him crucified, which is the place that sincere love flows into our hearts and through to others. I've seen them move away from the focus of Calvary into a focus of love and their focus is off. Their focus is off. There is no sincere love outside of experiencing the obedience of the truth in Christ Jesus through faith in the sacrifice. You got to understand this. When you were saved, your soul was purified because you were granted the obedience of Christ. It's his obedience that purified our souls. It's his obedience to the truth as the truth. 
all the way unto death that allows us to even be found with sight, to even be found with souls that are purified, to, to, to be found obedient to the truth, only through our faith in Christ. And not some blanket statement, my friend. That's your position. We're talking about down here under the blanket right now. Right now, when you get up at 4 o'clock to go to work in the morning, when, when you gather with that family that's unreal, when, when, come on now, somebody. Watch. This is, notice all this. Seeing you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit. There's that law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death where I couldn't have a sincere love for others. But it's unto. This, this is a process of progress. A process of progress where we are learning through the cross to have a sincere love of the brothers. See that you love one another with a pure heart fervently. Let's look at that word and see what it means. It means intently, earnestly, to stretch out the hand, to be uh, uh, intense about this. Our focus is not loving each other. Our focus is in the one who loved us and gave himself for us so that that faith there, that faith can be found, through that faith we can be found sincerely loving others that seem to be unlovable. And they will surely look unlovable <laughs> if we're not seeing through the cross. No one sees properly if they're not looking through the cross. That means their heart is trusting in the death of Jesus. Sight. Sight only comes out of the death of Christ through your faith in the death of Christ. And, and we were given sight at the born-again experience, but it's no wonder that Peter wrote in, 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 in uh, let's turn over to 2 Peter. Watch this. It's no wonder that Peter wrote in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 9, but he that lacks these things is blind and cannot see afar off and has forgotten. So he's not talking about a lost person. He's talking about <coughs> a saved person losing their eyesight, going blind because they've forgotten he was purged from his old sins. It's not, listen, it's not talking about that he just can't bring it up in his mind that he was, I just don't know what you're talking about being born again. I, what do you mean I've been purged? No, he's talking about, he, that, that's been, that's, let's go on from the cross. Let's forget about what's in the past. Have you ever heard people say that? Preachers? Let's don't focus on the cross. That, that's in the past. That's what God used to get us in. But, but they've never heard, just like I didn't all those years, that the Holy Spirit only and always turns us over to that place. 2 Corinthians 4.11. 4, it's not talking about just Paul wasn't just talking about he's always turned over by the Holy Spirit to places, uh, to, 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 in situations where, where 
there could be death because he wasn't always 100% of the time turned over to places. And he says there, the Holy Spirit's writing, speaking to him and through him. The Holy Spirit always, at all times, turns us over to death. Why? He tells you there so you can experience and express the life of Christ. Nobody's doing that today if their faith is not in, not that blanket. Well, of course we believe in the cross. Well, you wasn't believing in it when you did that big piece of stupid yesterday. I know you believe in the cross overall, but in those moments that we do the big piece of stupids we do, in that moment, we're not depending on that. We're not trusting and relying on that. Go back to Peter in Antioch. When he stepped into his big boatload of stupid, Barnabas followed him. Then we're talking about blind. And what had he forgotten? Same thing he's writing because of the Holy Spirit showing him his own experience and he's warning us. We go blind, and if we go blind, we can't walk where we should be walking, which is upright, uprightly according to the truth of the gospel. It does not just happen automatically because I'm a Christian. I have to acknowledge through the scriptures what the Holy Spirit is doing in my life. What's he doing? He's turning me over always unto death so that I might experience the life of Christ. Is that not what Paul also wrote about in Romans? That if we be planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also be found walking according to the resurrection, the power, the life. Hallelujah. You can't tell me God's not bringing his people back to Calvary. That's the place of their first love. You can't tell me that, 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 that Paul offered any other avenue of eyesight to Peter and Barnabas and the whole slew of folks that were following Peter when Peter began to follow other men that weren't walking in this truth. You can't tell me that what God gave Paul to give them to regain their eyesight spiritually was not the cross, because it was. You can read it in Galatians chapter 2. Well, let's just go look at it. Let's go look at it as we get ready to close, just so we can say we did. We've been talking about it. It's, it's the only avenue of restored sight to the Christian. Watch. Verse 14. Galatians chapter 2, verse 14. Now, I didn't start till about 7 after 9, and I, I always preach about two things. I preach about Jesus, and I preach about an hour, teach about an hour. So we're going to go to about 7 after. That'd be about an hour. Hallelujah. So Galatians chapter 2, verse 14. Let, let's, let, let's back up. Let's, let, let's back up to verse 12 and get a little bit pi better picture of the story. For before that, certain came from James. That, that's talking about the, the church in Jerusalem. He did eat with the Gentiles. Talking about Peter enjoying them chicken legs with them Gentiles. Freedom and liberty. But when they were come, those from James, he withdrew and separated himself from them Gentiles, fearing them which were of the circumcision. 
So that means they were Jews and they were from James, meaning they were from that church in Jerusalem. But I don't think what was going on in Antioch was going on in Jerusalem. Let me say that again. I don't think what was going on in Antioch was going on in Jerusalem. And that's where the question comes in I asked earlier. And I didn't give you an answer because I really don't have it. But this story right here might reveal it. Why was Peter even in Antioch? I understand the Lord had him there. I understand that. And things the Lord does, there's pictures there he wants us to see why he did it sometimes, a lot of the times, not always. But watch now. And the other Jews dissembled. And that word, that means played the hypocrite likewise with him. Insomuch that even Barnabas was carried away with their dissimulation, their hypocrisy. Carried away. Listen, <clears throat> going blind spiritually is not just not seeing properly for a moment. Listen, we see it right here. Being, becoming blind spiritually is being carried away. The writer of Hebrews said, you got to take more earnest heed of these things we've heard. We can't ever, ever be neglecting this great salvation because it might slip away. We might, it won't, listen, you ain't going to just wake up and the gospel be gone. No, no, no. It's something we're looking at that we shouldn't, seeing something in a way we shouldn't, not looking at what we should be because that's what makes us look at something we shouldn't be by turning away and listen, we already being carried away into something as we're going blind. Look now, verse 14, Paul says, and, he, and when he's writing this, he's writing this to the church of Galatia about something that happened in Antioch to help them. Is it helping you? Is it helping you? It, the intent of it is to help you, to keep you from going blind. And if you see today that you've become blind, to help regain your sight in the only avenue God offers sight renewal, a place to return to. Because if you're carried away, you need to return. Isn't that confirmation that Psalms 23 and 3 can concern us as Christians and not just a one-time deal? The Lord restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness. No, we can often many, many, many times need our soul restored, and he does it by leading us back to the path of righteousness, the path of light, where we see what we should be seeing. Let's see what that is here in Galatians chapter 2, verse 14. But when I saw that they walked not uprightly according to the truth of the gospel, and this, this could only be done, this could only be experienced through a man who was determined to know nothing other than Christ and him crucified. Because there's where the sight is, my friend. 
The more we're determined to know nothing other, the more sight we have. The less we're determined to know exclusively the way of Calvary, the less sight we have. Never forget that. Watch now. But when I saw, that's not pride. This is a move of God taking place. But when I saw they walked, that they walked not uprightly according to the truth of the gospel, I said unto Peter before them all, if you being a Jew or living after the manner of Gentiles and not like the Jews anymore, why are you now trying to compel the Gentiles to live as do the Jews? You confused, buddy. <laughs> You're confused. Under the fear of man, wishy-washy, unstable, brings confusion. People who aren't determined to know nothing other than Christ and him crucified can only confuse anybody they try to talk to spiritually. That's right. Amen. We who are Jews by nature and not sinners of the Gentiles, watch, he's talking to Peter, to his face, and all these other people that were only following Peter. Get that. It's a wake-up call one day when you realize you've been following men. It's heartbreaking. I know what it's like. I've been there. I know men right now that are following men. They think they're honoring, honoring them, but the flesh is so deceitful and so deceptive. The, the, this evil, selfish, selfish thing in us will show us something that's not real, and we'll think we're honoring men when we're really only seeking honor from them for ourselves. And one way we see the reality of that is when these men we think we're honoring, we can't bring a rebuke to them. We can't correct them because of our honor for them. Well, that ain't honoring them. That's proving you're seeking honor for yourself from them. That's a revelation. That is a revelation, my friend, right there. Watch now. Verse 16, this is it. Here's the message. Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Jesus Christ that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law, for by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified, which proves, I believe it does to me until I'm corrected, which I can be, that this really, he's telling Peter and these boys this because of, I think this makes it obvious what those coming from James are still hung up in, the works of the law. And Peter I'm, I'm sorry, Paul doesn't tell Peter, man, you just need to get filled with the Holy Ghost again, brother. You, you done leaked out. No, he reminds them of justification. But the problem is not Peter not being justified. The pro he is justified. He's righteous in God's eyes. He's a believer of Christ. He, he's the problem is his walk. But Peter reminds him of his justification. See how you're sanctification is tied to what you're doing with your justification which is faith in the cross of Christ that death 
of our Savior. I'm out of time. I, my goodness, I went even beyond what I said I was going to do. We've only been about an hour, though, so it's okay. Don't forget to pray for us. We're praying for you. We're right in the middle of a move of God. We don't show up with words of, of men's wisdom. We show up with the, with the wisdom of Almighty God, which the Bible says is the preaching of the cross, the focus of the cross, the power of the cross. Hallelujah. And it's not fun. It's, listen, it's a battle. It rages. Hallelujah. Most of the church don't want nothing to do with the ministers of righteousness and most that claim to be are not. And, and, if the ones that are, you'll see them. They'll be pointing you right where the Holy Spirit's telling them to point you to that place he's turning you over to every day, which is the not just every day, but always the death of Jesus. I hope you've been blessed, encouraged, and enlightened through this teaching. I hope you've taken some notes. I hope you'll hang on to it and not just say, well, that was good, that was pretty good. I hope you'll take what you've heard and hold on to it and allow the Holy Spirit to engraft it into your soul. For that is the, the new covenant, him writing his words of life, light, and liberty in our hearts and on our minds. Don't forget Saturday evening, Andrew and I will be doing a broadcast. I believe it's going to be entitled Living the Crucified Life. And also, he'll be ministering the Word Sunday morning, so don't forget to tune in at 10 a.m. or later whenever you can. If the Lord stirs your heart, I know he's stirring your heart to pray for us, so pray for us. If he ever stirs your heart to give, and that is between you and him, you can do that at thecrosswaychurch.com, or you can simply text the word GIVE to the number 903-231-5950. God bless you. I love you. And I hope to see you soon wherever you are. And the best is yet to come for those in the faith. God bless you till I see you. Stay determined to know absolutely nothing but Christ and him crucified. We'll see you then.